Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today I want to talk about high yielding plants for small spaces. And since moving to our little slice of land uh, that we've affectionately named Mossy Bottom Small Holding, um, if you're wondering, it's because of all the abundant moss that carpets like the front of the yard and all the way down to the bottom of the backyard. And the bottom of the garden with the spongy moss underfoot kind of makes me think of the fairies that lived at the bottom of the garden from the stories and flower fairy pictures from my childhood. And You know, it kind of got me thinking, which often happens when I'm out walking the dogs on the property, but gardening's a little bit like magic, right? And gardeners especially are kind of like magicians because we pull together the seeds and the soil, you know, we put them in the right position for the sun and help the plants grow and those then feed us or we plant flowers and herbs together with the veggies and create these magical tapestries of beauty and colour. And all of these things are kind of happening for me, like looking at the garden, at the space, even though I'm like up to my wellies, you know, in snow in some parts of the garden, but kind of looking at the possibilities of what the garden can become. It's one of those like fun things that, you know, you get to do later on in the season really because you know you're thinking and looking at like what can I do here and what can I plant and how can I use this space and right now I've only got one bed um partially created we'll say um I've got cardboard lying down to suppress weeds but it's only on one long bed and it's not really you know that long it's maybe four feet wide and maybe 15 feet long um so it's not a huge amount of growing space and it kind of got me thinking whilst I was wandering around the garden and you know walking the dogs like if I can't get all these beds built by the time spring rolls around what can I do in this one bed that I have that's really going to maximize what's coming out of it and that made me think that you know Growing in small spaces can be challenging, but it's not completely impossible. And vertical gardening can help free precious ground space. Um, precious ground space. Oh my gosh, I need more coffee this morning. Um, but it's it's not the only tool that we have in a homesteader's garden. Like we've got choosing plants that will give us more um, from the same space that's going to help make a bigger contribution from your garden rather than buying from the grocery store and by choosing you know plants where you're going to get more from that space with multiple harvests you can provide more food with little effort other than you know adding a bit of compost around the base of the plants or side dressing as it's known harvesting when young and tender and keeping an eye out for pests and as a gardener you're going to start to find that a little nibble here and there on your produce is okay you know maybe it's the bugs you know telling you that you know this is pretty tasty stuff and you might want to get it before we do um at least that's what my grandparents always told me when i saw like nibble marks in some of the veggies um but sometimes you know really using what we have the produce coming out of the garden even if it's a little bit munched on right you're gonna start to find as a gardener that taste runs supreme and your garden is not going to conform to the uniform shape and size that the grocery stores provide in their produce it's just not and you know really sometimes in the garden those ugly looking veggies are the ones which taste the best So let's talk a little bit about how plant choice is going to make a difference. And let's talk through an example, growing cabbage. 
I've got cabbage on the brain right now, I won't lie. I have been trying to decide which cabbage plants I'm going to trial in the garden and it's apparently taking over more of my brain than I thought. But one plant is typically one head of cabbage and it's usually one harvest. Sure, you can cut an X or a cross in the stem after you've harvested a cabbage. You might get some smaller cabbages growing a few weeks later. Um, or you could use that same space that you're growing the cabbage to grow something similar, right? Chard, mustards, collards, and kales all produce many harvests of leaves over a number of weeks. And this approach to gardening can be useful for a small space gardener, being able to cut leaves and come back again to cut more a few days later. It reduces that burden of trying to figure out what to do with a whole lot of produce that's ready in one time. Um, and that's especially helpful when you work full time. Not everybody has got the time to can produce before work or after work, especially if you've got an early start in the office or you're starting late. Like for me, I start work pretty early, around 7 to 7.30, right? I could start earlier in some cases, I could start later. But if I was going to be doing canning or any sort of like harvest preservation stuff, I'd need to be done by five, especially if I'm traveling into the office because I've got, you know, an hour and a half to two hour commute. There's no way I'm going to be up at two in the morning um, to be canning and preserving stuff right and you know i i get it you know i work full time too for a lot of you your gardening time is maybe a few hours on a weekend right you don't have a lot of time to dedicate to growing and stuff and preserving and things you know totally understand there believe me i'm with you but when it comes to you know having produce available like the cabbages let's say we planted six cabbage plants right i mean six heads of cabbage where am I going to put them? They're not all going to fit in the fridge. I need to put them somewhere so they're going to keep and, you know, not spoil before I end up using them or preserving them. Whereas if I plant six things of kale or three things of kale, three things of mustard or some collards and kale, right? I can, you know, come by, harvest some leaves that will be enough for you know, a couple of meals for me and my family and then leave it a few days, come back and harvest some more and I can switch it up. I've got an opportunity to have a little bit more variety and I'm not getting overwhelmed by the produce being ripe. So collards like Georgia Southern, Henpeck, Green Glaze, Champion, Alabama Blue or Vates work very well and are easy to grow. Um, Alabama Blue is a land race variety with beautiful diversity in the leaf colour if you're interested. Um, kales as well come in a dazzling array of textures, um, crinkles, frills, blistered textures on the leaf, but they also range in colours from, you know, dark forest green to bluish green, even greyish hues all the way through to purples and reds and colors and textures add interest to the garden as well as on the plate and if you're looking for diversity you want things that look different and intriguing or striking bare necessities kale alive vates grex um fractal frills that's a very pretty looking one um with like purplish stems and dazzling blue are all great you know, choices. Um, if you're wanting some heirlooms, then Tuscan or Dinosaur Kale, Ragged Jack or Red Russian and Dwarf Blue Curled are very popular kale varieties that are going to produce lots of leaves for cutting. And in a similar thought um, of this kind of cut and come again type of technique, lettuce, right, rather than growing head forming lettuce varieties like Romaine or Crisp Head, looking for those loose leaf 
lettuce varieties that support that kind of cut and come again multiple harvest technique is going to help you get much more out of the space that you're using so varieties like amish deer tongue um oak leaf devil's ear and um oh simpson black seeded all grow very well using this type of gardening technique and i grow a lot of this kind of loose leaf cut and come again type lettuce my husband he much prefers like these bib lettuces where, you know, you can harvest the leaves, but they seem to be a lot easier just to harvest the whole lettuce head in one time. But I very much like these little leaves that I can go, I can, you know, harvest lots of different ones and each salad's a little bit different. And I kind of like that, um, you know, it's a little bit more exciting than the same boring green leaves all the time. <laughs> now, earlier I briefly mentioned about growing vertically. And I bring this up because um, I find that pole beans are much more productive in the same amount of soil space as bush beans, right? And beans have the added benefit of being edible at multiple stages, right? You can eat them young as fresh green beans. You can have them older as super drying beans. And pole beans have long been very popular with homesteaders and subsistence farmers, right? There's various... Um, heirloom pole beans that have come through mayflower is one that springs to mind as being one that um supposedly came over from the mayflower and you know pole beans have always been popular for gardeners right there's a lot of different variety in pole beans there's a lot of different textures a lot of different colors and shapes um but things like cornfield pole beans, Kentucky Wonder, Turkey Craw, um, Pellegrini, which is a delicious Italian heirloom, um, Rattlesnake, that's popular in Southern Gardens, Cranberry, um, obviously Mayflower. There's lots of different um, beans that you can try. And the wonderful thing about beans is that beans are super easy to save seed from too. So if you leave the beans to dry out and they go like dry and crispy on the vine, that's the right stage that you're saving them for drying beans or soup beans, kind of like the ones that you would get at the store. Um, they're also the perfect stage to be putting aside for seed. So if you're looking for a really easy seed saving project, then, you know, pole beans is it. I predominantly grow pole beans. I have always loved watching beans just kind of growing up trellises and things and trellis doesn't need to be complicated either you know you could just tie together some poles um, or bamboo canes and then plant your beans at the base of those i typically plant like three beans at each cane and then just let them let them grow up it adds interest to the garden as well giving some kind of structural height but also it makes them easier to pick and that's why i really like pole beans i'll be totally honest is it something that i can easily see and i can easily pick i'm not having to like scrabble about like looking around underneath leaves and things to see you know where the beans and things are they're off the ground and they're easy to see so if you're wanting something that is going to be a higher yield that's going to produce over a longer period of time and definitely look towards pole beans and like i said you can plant much more in a smaller amount of space i'll maybe plant pole beans every inch to two inches i plant them really densely um in utah and it's going to be quite an interesting experiment here in maine to see how closely i can plant them here to be able to get a similar harvest 
Other high yielding climbing crops are peas and cucumbers, both happily grow over a trellis. Peas like sugar magnolia, Oregon sugar pod 2, green arrow, sugar ann and sugar snap are all sweet and delicious and they often sell out very quickly. Um, peas are kind of like a you know, fresh off the vine, they're almost like candy. They're delicious. And peas produce best in cooler weather. So they're a great crop for very early in the spring. Um, and as the weather starts to get hotter, the production dies off very quickly. They kind of look very wilty. Sometimes you'll get like a gray mold on them. You know, and it's those kind of times where you just want to kind of cut them all off at the soil level, take all that vining stuff off the trellis, put it in the compost and then get that space replaced and start growing something else. Um, I like to do cucumbers because they're pretty quick to grow afterwards, but you don't need to be tied to that. You can grow whatever you want in, in that space after the peas because peas are nitrogen fixers like beans. They're going to put nitrogen into that soil that another crop can then use. Now, peas, definitely uh, an easy to grow vegetable, um, but they're pretty well loved by slugs and uh, mice. So you might want to be planting multiple peas um, and then checking them regularly to see and if they're coming up and you might need to provide some sort of protection um, from, you know, hungry animals from them too. Let's talk about cucumbers. Market Moor 76 is a good dependable variety. It produces like eight inches of bitter resistant cucumbers as does straight eight. And both of these are really good for slicing the reliable producers but if you're wanting things like pickling cucumbers then double yield is an excellent variety um, and the one thing that I really like about double yield is if you're like me and you forget about cucumbers on a regular basis it goes from being a pickling cucumber to a slicing cucumber um, and doesn't really kind of hurt too much if you're trying to do that which is kind of nice because I often forget cucumbers. Um, Boothberry's Blonde is like a pale yellow looking cucumber it's very popular here in the northeast it's a main family heirloom um but i really like um pickling cucumbers that are either boston pickling chicago pickling and national pickling cucumbers all of these are very good um they're relatively easy to grow if you find that you're getting a lot of flowers but not a lot of fruit set one of the tricks that i've used is getting a kid's um, paintbrush you know like one of those cheap and cheerful plastic paintbrushes and just go into each of the flowers very gently with your paintbrush and just kind of twirl it around a little in a flower and then move it onto another flower and do the same thing and just kind of hand pollinate things and see if that helps because it might be a pollination issue um, that's stopping your cucumbers from forming all right let's talk about tomatoes because everybody loves tomatoes tomatoes seems to be um, the gateway plant into major gardening activities and there are some um, tomatoes that yield better than others and in particular medium-sized fruit producing varieties so those are such as uh, cosmonaut volkov sheboygan um, german johnson Gilsall Purpose, uh, Stupus, and Rutgers Original. These are all very good at producing higher yields. Um, 
cherry and grape tomato varieties are also excellent for bigger yields in a small garden not by weight but by number of tomatoes produced um, gardener's delight is a long-standing favorite for many gardeners and uh, black cherry tomatoes are also delicious and um, very highly sought after um, i found that both of those tend to sell out quite quickly um, from various gardening catalogs um, but if you're looking for like a, a large number of tomatoes and things you're then you're wanting to really look for these indeterminate varieties which produce tomatoes little and often throughout the growing season and they grow really long so they need a good sturdy support or even a trellis i've grown tomatoes over a cattle panel trellis it was great nice and easy to see what i was picking um you can also tie them in through um like a fence or do like a weave that helps um easy picking right um those things are going to be better in a smaller garden because you again you've got that little and often um almost like you're cut and come again you know oh i've got some tomatoes that are ripe i'm going to harvest those and then come back you know a few days later and harvest some again um if you're wanting tomatoes that are going to have a lot of tomatoes that are ripe in one go then you're going to be looking for determinate varieties of tomatoes because those produce fruits that ripen all about the same time and that's typically helpful if you are looking at canning right because if you've got an indeterminate variety then you've basically got to kind of save up your tomatoes until you've got enough to can whereas if you've got determinate varieties growing then they're going to be ready all at once however um, if you're new to gardening and you've not got a lot of time and you're not really wanting to kind of deal with that canning thing um, determinate varieties are at slight disadvantage because you're going to have a lot of produce ready that you're going to have to deal with quickly so it doesn't spoil let's talk about summer squashes because i found that summer squashes tend to produce better yields in smaller garden space than their larger fruiting winter squash counterparts so zucchini or courgette plants do very well when harvested regularly right they need to be picked to produce more flowers to produce more whereas a winter squash you want it to be left on the vine you want it to grow you want it to get big and winter squash plants don't produce as many squashes as a summer squash variety does so let's take a zucchini for example that could produce you know seven eight nine ten plus zucchinis if you keep it regularly picked on the other hand a winter squash might only produce two or three fruits on a vine but they're much bigger fruits um so if you're looking for little and often again those kind of summer squashes are going to produce much better for you i found that zucchini or courgette plants are um, better at yields than the scallop or patty pan squashes um i do love the patty pan squashes they're fast growing incredibly tender and delicious and um, they are one of my favorites to grow but if i'm looking for reliability then i'm looking at a zucchini um, type of squash so costata romanesca black beauty those are um, two zucchinis which are pretty good um, early golden summer crookneck is good um, you have to get those while they're young though otherwise the skin toughens on them same with a patty pan if you don't get it early and you don't harvest them when they're young the skin on them gets really tough and it's not pleasant to kind of deal with or eat if you forget to peel it off um another good one is early prolific straight neck which is um like a, a crook neck in terms of like the skin will get thicker um 
a lot quicker than a zucchini but they're pretty productive um, and you know there's a lot of different colors that are available for summer squashes as well so you can have you know pretty colors and make things look a little bit more exciting at the dinner table as well let's talk about peppers smaller pepper varieties typically produce more for you on the same plant so my favorite hot high yielding pepper that i've ever grown was hands down red chicken heart and it was an heirloom variety that I got. I got it from a small seed company um, that then closed, but I guess now they've reopened. Um, but those peppers, oh my goodness, they packed a surprising punch and just kept coming throughout the season. Like we had so many, we ended up um, pulling the entire plant up out of the, the soil at the end of the season. We hung them upside down in the basement and let everything dry out. And we just had these dried um, red peppers that my husband then ground into, um, you know, chili powder. And that stuff packs a punch. It is spicy um, and very surprising too because they were small, but they just kept they just kept on producing. Like the quicker we were harvesting them, they just kept on churning out more. Um, Hungarian hot wax peppers early jalapeno um and korea korean peppers sorry um they are all really good at producing lots of fruits as well now when it comes to sweet peppers again that smaller pepper you're gonna produce more on the same plant than you would huge um bell peppers so apple um odessa market and doe hill are all very good producers of sweet peppers in um smaller spaces and one of the, the tips that I will give you, especially if you're looking at seed saving and creating your land races, is try and keep your peppers separate if you can. Um, so have your hot peppers growing as far away as possible in the garden from your sweet peppers because you might get some, you know, little bee or a fly that is... Um, visiting your hot peppers and then goes visits your flowers on your sweet peppers and what you'll find is the next year when you sow out that seed that you saved you might get one that's the shape of a sweet pepper but it is hot um so just a, a word of warning there my top tip is try and grow those as far apart as you possibly can to try and minimize that um you know uh, cross pollination if you grow something tall in between them too um that'll really help um just a quick tip there <laughs> uh, what about crops that will give you double harvests so there's a lot of double duty vegetables and those include beets turnips sweet potatoes and even radishes and they all can provide leaves that you can use for braising greens um or baby leaf salads and as they mature a bit um, to being full size or in the case of beets and turnips you want them a little bit bigger than a golf ball they become tasty root vegetable crops and you know even carrots you can eat the tops of carrots too um, little underused and you know it's an acquired taste um, but you know finding more and more uses for the produce that we have in our garden is going to really kind of get us into that self-sufficient mindset but when you um, start to use more from your garden 
there's a, a big sense of accomplishment that comes with that and again you know don't let a little you know a couple of nibbles here and there put you off from eating something that you've grown yourself you can always cut that bit out you know if there's a bit that you know doesn't look too good just chop that bit off you know and pop it in the compost so it's not being wasted but i have to tell you that i didn't know that you could eat the the leaves off sweet potatoes and i had no idea until there was a lovely filipino lady that i worked with back in utah and she told me because we were chatting about gardens and she grew so much produce she had quite the green thumb i was incredibly impressed with how much she grew in a little space and she was always telling me to you know grow sweet potatoes for the leaves and i had no idea and then she told me to you know try adding them to steamed greens and then add them to soups and stews and stuff and i did and i added them to curry where i would normally add spinach and it was really tasty and i had never thought about doing that and now like I, my season's pretty pretty short i've not got you know sweet potatoes started and it's probably going to be a little too late for me to try and figure it out especially with uh, the potential small space issue that i have but once i've gotten the garden a bit more established i absolutely think i'm going to be looking more towards sweet potatoes again because sweet potatoes they store incredibly well um once you've got those skins cured, you know, they keep for a long time. They're obviously packed full of nutrients and now I can eat the greens as well. Oh, that is just a crop that keeps on giving in my book, which is brilliant. Um, but there's so many more crops that are like that if we figure out how to use them a little bit better. So for turnips, um, there are varieties which are bred for more of the green turnip tops. So um, I think it was seven seven top turnip is one that is especially for the the tops rather than the roots um i like both the tops and the roots um i like you can eat them in different ways which i really like but i often grow the purple globe um varieties of turnips those have produced consistently well for me in the garden like seven top i've grown um it has been kind of hit and miss in when i was in utah but is it going to grow much better here in Maine? Maybe. And these are things that, you know, if you've moved to a new area, having a look and seeing what people are growing, maybe getting in touch with your local um, university extension office and seeing if they've got varieties that are recommended. That's also like a, a good place to go if you're trying to figure out what varieties should I grow. And even if you're looking at creating your own land race varieties or you know even breeding your own vegetables like you know looking at what thrives in your region is going to really help you have success later on so even though i've mentioned like different varieties of you know vegetables and things that grow well and are typically high yielding it's a good opportunity for you to maybe look at those types of vegetables and seeing what grows best or what varieties grow well within your region because that's how you're going to start to see a lot more successes and certainly if you've got seed companies that are you know relatively local to your state or you know close by 
that's going to be a better place for you to be sourcing seed from if not local other gardeners too but i would love to know from you what your favorite high yielding plants have been in your garden it doesn't matter if you've only gardened for a season or if you've been growing for 50 years or more i would love to know from you what are your favorite high yielding plants that you grow in your garden until next time i hope your garden grows beautifully and i will see you all next week <music>